Welcome to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Over the next hour, you're going to learn how to lead more efficiently and effectively in a post-pandemic world where the workplace has changed dramatically. Now, here's Monique. Welcome to the show. I'm Monique. It's great that you tuned in today. You know, many leaders are expected to be more authentic at work. And in coaching, I am seeing this a lot. Clients are coming in with their 360 feedback. And on that feedback, it says that they need to be more authentic. People are commenting about that. But what exactly does it mean to be authentic? And how do you show up more authentic at work? My guest, Brenda Harrington, will help us unpack this today. Brenda is the founder of Adaptive Leadership Strategies. She's the author of Access Denied, Addressing Workplace Disparities and Discrimination. Brenda is a certified executive coach with a master's degree from Virginia Tech University. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you, Monique. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm so glad that you could be here today. Brenda, you coach globally. Can you tell us first a little bit about your background and what inspired you to do this work? Certainly. Well, over the years, I've held a number of management and leadership roles, everything from first line to senior executive management. And during that time, I think my first exposure to international management leadership audiences was when I was a, man a manager at an international operating center for AT&T. And I think back to those early days of the things that we had to do to affect agreements just around placement of international communications and calls. Fast forward about 10, 15 years, I did a lot of work in the relocation, the, the corporate relocation space. And I found that people who were adjusting as expatriates in new environments were either experiencing great success or profound failure. And often the failure had nothing to do with their business acumen or their experience. It had everything to do with their ability to assimilate and adjust to the new environment, the new culture. And so in, in a situation like that, the go-to is typically to provide a person with language training and services and things like that. But we don't really take enough time to pay attention to the nuances around cultural differences and things like that, and really helping a person to assimilate effectively. And some of those circumstances could have had such different outcomes if, if, if the people involved had taken a different approach to the transition. So that, that's what started. So you've worked a lot with global leaders. What would you say are some of the biggest challenges that they have? Is it, is it just the cultural piece of it or is there more? The cultural piece of it is, is huge. Uh, it depends on how their organization or institution is positioned globally, whether they are considered international with a, with a main headquarters and just global, uh, you know, or international outlets, or they have a global presence in different regions. But in any, case, in any event, they're typically working with highly diverse teams. And so the ability to really connect with members of the team and honor the nuances of the regions that they're working in is, is really what makes the difference. As I said, so often it has less to do with, with the technical aspects. You can, you can find that in a manual or a book. How to interact with people and exercise influence across cultures is, is more art than science. There are many places in which a, a yes response, we think we're speaking the same language, right? A yes doesn't really mean yes. And it's important to know those things in order to be able to conduct business effectively. Why is authenticity so important? Because you do a lot of work around this. So how and why is it so important to leadership effectiveness? More today than ever. You know, we have moved far and away from this place of top-down leadership by authority based on position and title. Leadership today is so much about influence and influence is based on trust. How much do I trust you? How, how much do I, how can I trust you in you to, to do what we need you to do to get the work done? And that really is about building relationships. Authenticity is ground zero for building 
meaningful and effective relationships. Being able to show up as who you are in all of who you are and to connect with people in an organic and meaningful way. And that's something that uh, is not easy to do, especially for people in leadership roles. And that is what I'm seeing in coaching when my clients come in with this feedback and that they think that in order to be authentic, they have to start just really sharing all of their personal life and all of that. And they're hesitant to do that. They don't think it's very professional. So they struggle as to what it is, how to do it. How would you define authenticity? Authenticity really is being true to your values and who you are. I don't think it means necessarily sharing all of your personal life and, 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 and opening up, you know, being an open book. I do think it means, though, really focusing on your strengths, what makes you unique, what makes you different, and being willing to honor that and develop it. And, and I don't want to sound, you know, kitschy here, but using that as your superpower. We all are unique. We all have something that makes us different from the person to our left or to our right. Some people have the gift of humor. People start to smile even before they open their mouths in anticipation of what they're going to say, right? And so that's an example of, of a gift that you might have or a strength that you might have. So we all have that, but we spend so much time and we're subjected so much to being told who we need to be how we need to show up, what we need to have, what we shouldn't do, that we set that aside when that element of who we are is really what we need to embrace and, and nurture to, to be as authentic as we can be and to make meaningful connections with other people. And I know in the business world, there's so much to do and the work has to keep being pushed forward and leaders are focused on doing more with less resources and they're very task oriented. So I think it slips through the cracks to let your true self out and those strengths and those values because they feel like, first of all, there's no time for that. When you're building relationships, you need to get down to business. And this I'm hearing a lot of also when people are, quote, trying to build relationships, they're focusing on the business aspect of it what needs to be done, what projects need to be pushed forward, and they're forgetting about the people side of it. So can you share a couple of examples of people that you've worked with where you've helped them identify their authentic self? Certainly. And I, I just want to take a step back to what we talked about a few minutes ago with regard to global leaders. There are some places in which you will not be able to conduct any business until you focus on relationship, right? So you don't have time not to take the time That's right. to, 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 to build relationship. But I think of one example of someone who was very task oriented and who really didn't feel that there was a place for any social element in a relationship when it came to business. And it was interfering with his success, his ability to work with his team and things like that. And so we started to really peel back and talk about the things that he liked to do. I often ask clients, if money had nothing to do with it, if you didn't have to work, how would you spend your time? And once we started to talk about that, we looked for alignment in what he was doing professionally and the things that he liked to do outside of work. And we talked about how that could just begin to really inform the conversations that he was having and an opportunity connect to connect with other people. Again, not oversharing, but allowing people to get to know him. Because for people that you don't know, you really are, are not going to have the same level of, I'll say, compassion or even understanding, right? You're, you're, you're not going to give them the same grace. And so it was important for him to, uh, to, to help his team get to know him more. And once he started to show up a little bit more of who he was, and it didn't take very much, uh, he really started to experience a very different relationship and ability to, to interact with his team. So I suppose by looking for commonalities or ways that you align with someone else, that could even help with cultural differences. Absolutely. 
yes. when you're getting to know someone because people from different cultures could still have common interests and hobbies and values and things like that. That's exactly right. And you find a way to navigate language barriers. Well, now, you know, it's on our phones, right? We Google translation and we can we can figure that out. But it really is finding that alignment and values and beliefs and, and points of view, for sure. So the term bringing your whole self to work, what does that mean to you? It, it means, so let me give you an example. I've, I've had multiple clients who have not felt comfortable expressing themselves in their, I won't say their native tongue, but even with an accent or who have had uh, names that are not commonly heard domestically in the United States. So they, they come up with a simpler name or, or, or an American name. And so they're leaving so much of who they are in the car, at, you know, behind, not not bringing it to work. And, and they're, they're really shrouding a big part of who they are. So just imagine how much noise that creates, how much interference to, to stay in character over the course of eight or 10 hours a day times however many days and weeks and months, right? And so when I say bring your whole self to work, we all have to regulate our behavior, certainly. And we all always have to observe professional protocol. But really to stand in, in your truth. If you have an accent, honor that accent, right? Don't try to hide it. And use your given name, things like that. There are other elements, things like I hear people, if, you know, when everybody was still coming into the office, I don't take my uh, certain types of food to work because nobody else eats this type of food or people don't understand and things like that. It's an opportunity for us to break down barriers. It's an opportunity for us to get to know more about each other. So really that uniqueness that we all have is yes. our authentic self. Truly, in every sense of the word, yes. And I, I think people try so hard to fit in, even if they're within the same culture, just yes. being in the same company, they try to fit in and try to emulate other people. So that becomes a habit, I think, yeah. where we truly forget about our uniqueness. And I also work with a lot of people around branding. And in branding, your uniqueness is what you leverage. That is your brand. So it's, it's really important to embrace that instead of trying to hide it. So it sounds like some great work that you've been doing. It's, it's phenomenal work. Thank you for saying that. I feel it, it's such a privilege for me to share that intimate space with clients. It really is. Because for some people, it's very, very difficult. They're living up to parents' expectations, the expectations of their profession, whatever it is, and just things that they have accepted and, and believed to be important that are really getting in the way of their effectiveness. And so once we're able to moderate some of that and, and remove those barriers, they're really so much freer to, to focus on what's important. I it's, think it's that, a, Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry, I was just going to take advantage of the timing of our conversation and acknowledge the icon that we lost yesterday, right? In, yes. in Tina Turner. Yes. And when you think about her story and the fact that, you know, one, that she, she, got herself out of a bad situation, but she reinvented herself. She talks about the early years when her voice is something that she didn't feel was attractive. She didn't sound like the other female singers, but what she had was such a gift and so powerful and really made her so unique. And it set her apart from everybody else. And, and look what she was able to accomplish as, a, as an artist and as a person. Yes, thank you so much for bringing that up. That That's a really important point. And, you know, if people are not really supposed to overshare, mm -hmm. yet they need to find alignment with others, where do they find that balance? Because some people are naturally inclined to overshare. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then that's a, that's a, can be seen as a negative in the workplace. Yeah. What's the best way for them to navigate that balance? I, I think in terms of what you consider to be public information, so, so if you think of the image of a house, if you walk into someone's home and you're in a foyer, from, your, from where you're standing, you would likely see a living room, a dining room, maybe part of a kitchen. 
think in terms of a staircase going up, but imagine there's a velvet rope across that staircase, right? And so anything that 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 you see you can see on the front of that before that rope is is for the public purview, right? So think about things you wouldn't mind someone knowing about you, okay? And you know, if if I'm a family member or a guest and maybe I get to remove that rope and go up the stairs. Those are things that are private that you don't share with other people, right? Everything from furnishings to whatever. And so if you have a hobby, you know, if someone mentioned something about a sport, oh, my son plays baseball. Oh yes, I like to cook. Oh yeah, I've tried that recipe. Have you tried? Just just small talk beyond the weather. You'd, you'd be surprised and going back to what you said about crossing cultures, you know, you'd be surprised at the, that the interests of the interests that you share potentially with other people. That is such a great tip. I love the vis visualization of the staircase and the velvet rope. And I'm hoping our listeners will take that as, you know, a great tip to help them find that balance between oversharing, but bringing pieces to their relationships that are appropriate to share and to find alignment with. So thanks yeah. for sharing that. You're welcome. We are here with Brenda Harrington. We're talking about authenticity in leadership and ways to be more authentic. A quick reminder before we take a break, I'd love for all you listeners to visit my website at mdconsultingglobal.com and there you can subscribe to my blog and you can connect with me on social media. Uh, another big announcement today, this is the end of our 13-week pilot program for this show, and we are now going into our full-blown season one, starting in June, where we will have um, weekly shows for a year. And that has all been due to you listeners tuning in and also listening to the podcast. So I really appreciate that. I appreciate you keeping the ratings nice and high for us and for also giving me a lot of feedback about the topics that you want to hear about and the guests. So thank you very much for that. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll hear how leaders can develop competencies in this area of authenticity. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business talk. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at Monique at MDConsultingGlobal.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back. We're here with Brenda Harrington from Adaptive Leadership Strategies. She is also the author of Access Denied, Addressing Workplace Disparities and Discrimination. Brenda, before break, we talked about how people are hesitant to bring their authentic self to work and that that's a pitfall. It's keeping them from being authentic. Are there other pitfalls as far as why people are afraid to show up as themselves? I think there's a little bit of risk associated with it. It takes a degree of confidence and in some cases, perhaps courage. If they're concerned about being accepted by their colleagues and others at work, and certainly about being judged because of their feelings about how they show up authentically. All of those things interfere with a person's willingness to be who they are. And as you're saying this, I'm kind of thinking about myself, and I tend to be very much of an introvert, I'm very private, a little bit guarded, so as I think about my previous career in the corporate world, I think I can honestly say that I was afraid to share too much. Part of it was because I also felt that by being authentic, that meant to start talking about my personal life. But also, I you brought up a good point about judgment. When someone knows something about you, or maybe they know a little more about you than what you want them to know, there is this fear of being judged. So it is a bit risky. And I guess that's even more reason why authenticity is so important, because by taking that risk, you're really stepping out there. And there's a potential to really form some deeper relationships that way, right? No question. We all have a story. <laughs> all right. And I think that for those of us who tend to be more reserved or are reticent to be more authentic or work toward authenticity, we're concerned that we're the only ones with the story, right? And what we realize is that people are able to connect with us more effectively when we make ourselves more accessible. And it doesn't take much. I'm not saying that you should, as I said, be an open book, but think about the things that you would not mind being known publicly. And even sometimes we're in the information age now, so it's difficult to conceal or hide anything, right? And so if there's something that you're concerned about others finding out about or knowing about, get out in front of it, all right? Control your own narrative. Don't give them, another person, an opportunity to take control of that story and tell it in a way that you're not comfortable with. And, you know, earlier you mentioned Tina Turner. And, yeah. you know, I've been listening to the interviews all, all morning, past interviews with her, and she had a story, you know, because of her first marriage and everything she had been through. And by being public about that, she really gave women a voice, I think, mm -hmm. and allowed um, a lot of information to be public that and that was very risky for her as an yeah. entertainer yeah so um but what she did for for others was was amazing immeasurable, um, mm -hmm. immeasurable. yeah yeah how sure. do you help people develop these competencies i really help them to think about what's most important to them what's most important for them uh, to them that other people know about them and respect. Because here's the thing, when we hold back, we also have the potential to set ourselves up for things that make us uncomfortable. So if I follow a, partic a particular faith or religion, or there's something that I feel strongly about that's that's grounded in my values, and I hear others at work or any place, you know, making disparaging remarks or disrespecting that, then, you know, I'm processing that by myself. They they have no awareness that this is something that I find offensive, okay? Uh, they don't have the opportunity to, to make a choice based on knowing that about me, okay? So I'm carrying that burden all, all by myself, all right? And just imagine that the impact that that can have on you 
in a professional environment, your ability to perform, your ability to engage, your ability to work with other people. And so we talk about values. We talk about uh, what's important to them, uh, what they'd like other people to know about them, and, and what they use to form personal relationships. And then maybe moderating that to think about what opportunity there is to use some of that to inform the development of professional associations. And do you find that your clients have to take baby steps with this because it is so risky or do they really embrace this and jump right into it? Runs the gamut. Hmm. Some people do take baby steps, but typically once they gain traction, they're off to the races, right? They say, wow, this is great. I never knew this about the guy that sits two doors down from me. You know, we both share the same, whatever it is. We have kids the same age, We all that. We played lacrosse in high school. So some of them are, are pretty reticent, but they but they try it. You know, coaching is about the client doing the work, right? And so right. I kind of nudge them out of the plane to, to get out of their comfort zone. And then others, you know, embrace it and, and they just they go for it. What could leaders do right now to start being more authentic? If they weren't working with a coach and they're hearing this and listening to this interview, what are some steps they could take right now? The biggest thing is for them to allow people to get to know them, whatever that means. Okay, so maybe mentioning something that they've, they've never mentioned before, you know, went to the baseball game over the weekend or, you know, went to the beach, just something benign, nothing that's no, no major news, no major headline, but really just finding opportunities to open up and allow other people in. Expressing interest in something that someone else is saying, if, if you hear someone telling a story about something or talking about something, and you're in a position to respond to it. Oh, you play in a band? I used to play the drums. Something like that. Any 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 opportunity to align and connect on something that has nothing to do with work. And I suppose part of being authentic also is about voicing your opinion at times. Would you yes. say that that's... Yes, but I think you have to be careful about mm -hmm. voicing your opinions, you know, especially today. Uh, but 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 certainly sharing your point of view. I encourage people to really give thought to who their audience is if they're going to voice an opinion and maybe ask a few questions and learn more about what what the tolerance is, what they really have an opportunity to discuss or say before just going into the deep end, right? Because you can't unsay it once it's out there. Uh, so asking asking some questions and just learning more about whether or not it's a an appropriate place, and in some cases a safe place to share your opinion and point of view. I love the point about asking questions because I think that's a big part of relationship building is those open-ended questions that really show your curiosity about the other person, whether it's about their family or their culture or their work or what what's happening at work, and kind of going into it with that air of inquisitiveness that lets the other person know that you are curious about something. And I think that is a real good rapport builder also, those open-ended questions. And then again, you're learning and it's it's a two-way street. So thanks for bringing up that point. No, thank you. I was going to talk about that a bit because demonstrating curiosity, you know, in a in a meaningful way is is very powerful and very important. And so, you know, say you see something on a person's desk, it could be uh, a flag from another country, and you just ask, you know, what does that mean to you? My you know, my grandmother was, you know born in that country, th things like that. So really asking questions is is so helpful. I find that a lot of times people, and, and I'm sure you've had conversations too, Monique, with people that say, you know, I, I need to speak more in meetings, but I, you know, I don't have anything to say and I don't want to just repeat what the other person said. And and typically, you know, I, I that's my offering. Well, how about asking a question, beginning to fil facilitate the conversation and perhaps guide it in a different direction, so. Yeah, because there are so many people, even top leaders who are introverts and they're very shy 
and they're not purposely trying to hold back. It's just that they're not wired that way to automatically start talking and sharing. And you're right. I do hear this in my coaching sessions where they're in meetings and they've been given feedback later on that they don't speak up enough. They're not assertive enough. They're too quiet. They don't voice an opinion. And they are really anxious about how to even start doing that in a meeting. And the the open-ended questions, it's a great, it's a great way to, to really do that. Yeah. I, I think, you know, when we're talking about authenticity and having an impact and all these things, I think that we each have to recognize that we need our own strategy. And so for the people who are more outspoken, who consider themselves extroverts, who are the first ones to raise their hand, their way in, that's great. But for those of us who are more reserved, we need to play a longer game, right? And so it might not have the same immediate impact, but over time, you know, once people begin to know how we communicate and, and recognize, and I'll say respect the fact that we say something, you know, we don't have a lot to say, but when we have something to say, it's meaningful, right? It, it's powerful, it makes a difference. Then people get to know that, and that's when we start to develop influence and, and develop different types of relationships with people. How can leaders help their teams and their direct reports to be more authentic? So if a leader is trying this for themselves, yet they have people that report to them and they want to model this behavior, what are some ways they can help their team? Applying and spending forward all of the things that we're talking about, make it safe, all right, and, and encourage that kind of conversation and engagement. Maybe even in, in meetings, you know, start with some type of an, an icebreaker or something like that. You know, what was, what was the best year of your life? Tell us something, a little something, you know, that we don't know about you, something like that. But I think that that's part of their development. We're so focused on the technical competencies. We don't think of the things that I would argue are not ancillary, <laughs> but the, the relationship piece. And I think that that's got to be part of, of professional development as well. Can you give some examples of when you personally had to rely on authenticity as a leader? <clears throat> Two. One at the beginning of my career and one toward the end of my corporate career. At the beginning, I was a young first-line manager managing people who had been with the company longer than I had been alive and that didn't look like me. There were, there were all kinds of things that just made this a, a very challenging circumstance. And so it wasn't about fake it till you make it. You know, obviously I didn't have the knowledge and experience that they had, but there was a reason that I was there. And I just had to be myself and say, look, I, I'm relying on you to, to, to learn you know, and, and, and to get up to speed on these things, I'm, gonna, I'm going to need to engage you in making decisions and all these kinds of things. And, you know, I can't do anything about the fact that I'm 20 years old, but I'm here and this is the objective and we need to work together. And I let them get to know me, you know, and, you know, it was, it was quite interesting because, uh, you know, they were, we were dealing with generational differences and everything. But once they got to know, uh, who I was as a person, and they were able to, you know, wipe away this title and the dynamics and things like that. It was a much less, the, the hill was not a steep decline. Fast forward 30, well, however many years, we, I was, I was the executive vice president of operations with the company that had just been acquired. And it was during the financial crisis, 2007, 2008, and people were on the ledge. I was the last person standing, if you will, of the senior leadership team from the former organization. So they thought I had all the answers. And I just had to say, I, I don't have all the answers. And I had to be as transparent as I could be. I have, I have similar concerns that you do, and here's what I'm doing to work it out. And, and we just really had a lot of very deep person-to-person -person conversations around what was happening. Uh, and and got through it the best we could. Some made it, some didn't. And that but was really was, brave of you to admit you didn't have the answers. That's really hard for a leader to do. 
it's hard it, to a point, but when you don't agree with some things, when you don't agree with certain things, now, I, full disclosure, I have a much higher risk tolerance than most people, okay? <laughs> and so, you know, I was resolute in, you know, what I was doing. I said, look, if, if this doesn't go over, it doesn't go over, and I'll move on, and something else will work out. And so that's where I was personally. Uh, but I, I certainly was not going to, uh, you know, put up a front to pretend that I, I knew where things were going because, you know, one day it was yes and the next day it would be no. And I, I really didn't, I didn't want to be aligned with, with some of the things that were happening, so. And I think leaders are at times uncomfortable with that. They, oh, yeah. they come to their coaching sessions and say, I, I think I'm expected to have all the answers and I don't, and I'm afraid to say that. So you're saying that one way to be authentic is just to admit you don't have the answer. You have to set different expectations. You, there's no way that you'll have all the answers, especially in this fluid, rapidly changing environment, because Tuesday's answers are very different potentially than Wednesday's and certainly different than Thursday's or Friday's, okay? So to say that, I think, I think we all have to reset right now and say, no, I don't, I don't have all the answers and we are going to work together to, to get to the what's next. So it's really about setting and managing the expectations of not only your team, but everyone you're working with. Well, thanks for sharing those two personal examples about your situation. If you've just tuned in, we're here with Brenda Harrington. We're having this great conversation about being more authentic as a leader and how to do it and some of the pitfalls as to why people aren't as authentic as they could be. A couple reminders before break. My website is available to you so that you can sign up for my blog and connect with me on social media. That's at mdconsultingglobal.com. Also, if you happen to be a leader or a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, if you've got a great message that you want to get out to the public and you would like to be a guest on the show, I encourage you to connect with me and we'll get you booked. You can do that at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. After break, we'll hear more about Brenda's work with diversity. So stay tuned. We will be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. At MD Consulting, we provide executive coaching to leaders struggling with workplace challenges and pain points. Unlike other coaching companies that use a Band-Aid approach, we have a specific set of tools and processes to thoroughly root cause and unpack a client's challenges. Our specialized method helps you implement measurable and sustainable solutions to enhance your leadership skills and develop your team. Visit www.mdconsultingglobal.com to book a complimentary breakthrough session. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge, with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Welcome back to Leading with Intention with Monique Daniel. Have a question for Monique or her guests? Email Monique at monique at mdconsultingglobal.com. 
Now, back to the show. Welcome back. You're listening to Leading with Intention on the Voice America Business Channel. We're back with Brenda Harrington, founder of Adaptive Leadership Strategies. We've been talking about authenticity in leadership, how to be more authentic, some ways to do that, some ways to ensure that you don't overshare when you're trying to be authentic. Brenda, you've also written extensively about discrimination and disparity. How are leaders working to address this? Let's talk about that for a bit. How leaders are addressing this is is, is running the gamut. And it, it really depends on where they're starting, depending on where the organization is. I will say that there is a fair amount of confusion around this topic and a lot of discomfort. Okay, because uh, for whatever reason, there there is always a a consideration around risk management and things like that when you start to talk about sensitive issues as this can be, and so I'm seeing everything from what I consider you know more box checking exercises to say yes we we recognize and, and feel we recognize the need for diversity and feel it's important, uh, which would fall into a you know, an hour lunch and learn or something like that, to much more robust programs that involve diversity assessments and and really looking at the organization's practices when it comes to hiring and retention and inclusion. And so it's everything from, you know, from one end of the spectrum to the other. So when you work with clients, they come to you do you act as a consultant where you go into the organizations and assess where they're at? I don't conduct the actual psychometric assessment around diversity. Uh, most of most of my work is in a workshop format, and we're actually finishing up a formal program based on the book, Access Denied. I didn't know what kind of demand there would be for it, but it turns out there is significant interest. So we're working on a more formalized program. But but in my role, I will facilitate conversations around what diversity means and inclusion as it relates to that particular context. And I really try, as I do with my coaching and, and leadership development facilitation, I, I really try to work very specifically in the context of, of the organization based on their particular circumstances. In your diversity workshops, do you tie in the authenticity piece? It's so important. And that's that's where there have been a lot of challenges, right? Because uh, often, you know, people who are members of minority communities, and in some cases, you can use any term BIPOC, some people refer to as marginalized groups, you know, there's, there's such resistance to showing up as all of who you are, bringing your full self to work. I mentioned earlier people who change their names or you know don't want to speak in their with their accents at work. I've had two circumstances where uh, there there were uh, people who were native to uh, the uh, the Caribbean that didn't want to uh, speak with an accent at work because they felt they would be marginalized. And in one case, the person was actually told as part of a review that what was holding her back was her accent. They told her that? They told her that, yes. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So authenticity is something that comes up a lot. Uh, everyone, I'm sure, has heard about the Crown Act, you know, with it, which involves, you know, our hair, right? And so for a long time, I know, you know, throughout my corporate career, I had very long, straight hair, you know, and so judgments and assessments that are made about people just based on their natural appearance and things like that. So, you know, having to take those things into consideration before you even get started with the work is taxing. And so authenticity is a huge part of, of this issue when we're talking about diversity. What is something that leaders could start doing now to be more inclusive? Exercising curiosity to start, really being able to take a step back 
and and look across their organizations and ask questions. You know, does everyone on this team look the same? Why is that? You know, is there representation? You know, are there opportunities for us to address the question not only of diversity but truly inclusion? You can you can you know look at the numbers and say you know X percentage of our workforce you know represents this group or that group. Same as with gender, but how much are they impacting business outcomes? How you know what are, what is the rate of promotions and professional development and things like that? The other thing is, I find that people in leadership positions, with all due respect, are uncomfortable uh, and reticent sometimes to give meaningful feedback. Again, for fear of you know, offending someone or, 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 you know, because they're afraid they're going to be sued, risk management, right? And I think that the, the uh, missing opportunities or being reticent to give that feedback really is a deterrent. It, you know, it, it, it doesn't help because if I'm not getting the feedback on something that I can improve and I'm, and I'm not, and I'm being passed over because of this issue, whatever it is that I'm unaware of, you know, then that really doesn't help me to advance and, and take advantage of other opportunities. So even though it's good to aim for inclusivity, there are some challenges to that. It sounds lots like of challenges, lots of challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you and name I, a couple of other challenges? Well, the the ones I just mentioned, I mean, Yes, you know, we, we like the work that she's doing in this role, but we don't think that she's a strong enough communicator or she doesn't have this credential, but we don't want to say anything because we don't want her to be angry about it. We don't want her, you know, we don't want to get in trouble, this kind of thing. And so, you know, then they, then there's, you know, you, you're just in park basically and, 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 and you don't, you know, you don't really know why you're not, moving forward or why you're not being given the same consideration. So from a leadership perspective, uh, I think it's hard for uh, some leaders to really assess how to approach particular circumstances and what to do. And even in some cases, consulting with their HR departments is, is challenging. So I encourage all leaders to, to really engage in conversations with people who are different from themselves, who might have a different perspective, and really to think about uh, opportunities to engage and, and, and start the conversations in a different way. You know, think about mentoring and sponsorship opportunities, even if you're reaching outside of your organization into professional associations and things like that, to help to bridge those gaps. Because not having the conversations and not addressing it you know, really continues to perpetuate the, the issue. Who are some of your best clients? My clients are the organizations and the organizational leaders who uh, are as engaged or more engaged in the work that they've contracted me to do than I am. It can't be more important to me than it is to them, right? So I'm looking to them to do more than sign a contract and pay a fee. I really want them to get behind the work that we're doing to really give it credibility by promoting it, you know, and participating in some cases as is appropriate. And so I, uh, I, I find that the clients that uh, are, are really engaged in the process and, and really make it part of a larger initiative for the company, whether it's strategic planning, succession planning, growth into a new area, are the ones that I really enjoy working with. Tell us a little bit about your book. You said that you use it in the workshops and that it, that was unexpected. And what led you to write that? What is it about? Access Denied, Addressing Workplace Disparities and Discrimination is a book that I wrote as a result of conversations that emerged in 2020, following the experiences that we all saw and, and, and lived uh, that spring. And it's a compilation of stories. It's a compilation of stories about real life circumstances and experiences of black employees, primarily in the workplace. And each one is an archetype for a different situation. 
Uh, the stories are accompanied by coaching and reflection exercises to help people to really reflect. And for people who are going through particular circumstances, helping them ideally to make different choices. Um, I start out in the introduction with a couple of points that I think are really important. One, that they're not crazy because a lot of times we're made to feel that, you know, we're really just imagining this or we're misinterpreting what's going on. And I'm not saying that it's intentional or malicious, but just things happen as a matter of course that, that don't really uh, reflect inclusion or an intention toward inclusion. And the second is that you're not alone. Okay, so there are others that are experiencing the same thing uh, and, and that you do have a community. There's a place for outreach. Ironically, organizations have expressed interest in having their leadership, members of their leadership team read the book, talk about the stories. As we talked about a little bit earlier, there's so much to be learned through stories and metaphor, and it helps people to uh, create awareness about a different, you know, just create different awareness, have a different point of view about some things that they may have been part of or have experienced. How can our listeners find out more about the book and find you? The book has its own website, which is access-denied.net, and all of the retail links to Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and the others are, are on the website. You can certainly go straight to Amazon. Uh, my main website is adaptiveleadershipstrategies.com and my email is just my name b harrington at adaptiveleadershipstrategies.com i'm also on instagram as author b harrington and i'm on linkedin okay great you've been listening to leading with intention on the voice america business channel my guest today has been brenda harrington Brenda, thanks so much for being here today. And I'd like to invite everyone back next week to hear a very special edition. It will be a solo show. It'll be my first solo show on how leaders can gain more visibility in the workplace by using informational interviews. So at times I'm weaving in solo shows when I get specific requests for topics that I handle in coaching. So definitely tune in live next week at 9 a.m. Pacific Thursday or listen later on to the podcast. Also, as I mentioned earlier, starting in June, we are ending this 13-week pilot series and heading into our first full-blown season one of this show. Thanks to all of you for listening and keeping the ratings really high. So remember to visit my website also where you can sign up for my blog and social media. That's at mdconsultingglobal.com. Thanks so much for tuning in today. And until we talk again, don't forget to lead with intention. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Leading with Intention. Our intention is that you walk away from this show today with new tools, techniques, and insights that help you lead more effectively and have greater impact within your company. Until we talk again, have a great week.